This podcast was first broadcast on Mix 92.6. Go to Mix92.6.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts. And if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around Hertfordshire and from further afield. Now, this week, some sad news. Last week was the funeral of Phil Fletcher. He was an active member of many local environmental groups, including St Albans Greenpeace, St Albans Extinction Rebellion and St Albans Green Party, and he will be sorely missed. He was also a committed allotmenteer and could often be seen cycling in to and fro from his allotment where he worked on his plot for many hours. Not only that, but he appeared here on Environment Matters talking about a campaign that was particularly important to him. As we remember Phil, let's start by hearing from a couple of people about their memories of Phil and what Phil meant to their groups. Later, we'll hear from Matt Fisher from St Albans Greens. But first, let's hear about the part that Phil played in St Albans Extinction Rebellion. I spoke to another member of St Albans Extinction Rebellion, Nigel Harvey. Oh, Phil was really passionate. At every meeting, he would be there. He was one of the most reliable, loyal members of the team. He wanted to be involved in everything, doing everything that was going on. Um, he had a real passion for, for the climate and a passion, passionate belief in climate activism as well. And how far was he prepared to take that passion? He was certainly really wanted to actually get arrested as part of a climate protest as a way of demonstrating the seriousness of the cause. And he was really chuffed, actually, I think, to be part of three of us who were all arrested um, inside Barclays Bank, trying to draw the public's attention to the appalling way in which Barclays continue to fuel the climate crisis. So he was arrested there, he was taken into police custody and, and released probably about 20 hours later. All three of us went to uh, went to court at St Albans Magistrates. It took something like two and a half days. And Phil was great in there. You know, he um, he was he talked passionately about what he had done and why he'd done it. And what other parts of the environmental movement was Phil particularly passionate about? Well, he was a, an allotment owner and really passionate with it as well. We would we would often um, share seedlings, so he would he would give me excess seedlings he had, and I would do likewise. Uh, he had a composting toilet that he designed himself on his on his allotment. He he loved growing things. He was um, very much at one with nature. So do you have any particular memories of him that you could just share with us? I guess when he was standing outside the St Albans Civic Centre with his list of 500 or so signatories, perhaps it was more than 500, of St Albans residents all asking uh, the uh, St Albans Council to stop using glyphosate. And we had a we had a, a a great demonstration outside there. There were people dressed up as bees. Um, we had a banner 
sort of that have been raised right up above the uh, the civic centre, and uh, Phil is the sort of the the main uh, driver of that action. Uh, presented the, um, the the list of signatories to uh, to Chris White. It's only sad that still to this day. The district council carries, city council carries on using glyphosate, killing bees. And if there was one thing that St. Almas could do to really mark Phil's passing, it would be to stop using glyphosate because he was really, uh, he was really committed to trying to get the council to see the light of day there. Indeed. And that must have been a, a very proud moment for him presenting that petition. So, how do you think he will be missed most? I think there'll always be a, a, a sort of a seat in the room where Phil would have been and isn't anymore. He was he was just always there. He was he was part of the furniture, and a, a lot of us, I think, were were were, ver- were very saddened by his death. That it was quite sudden and unexpected, and um, even though he was in his uh, in his seventies, and um, yes, he. he, he, he It'll be hard having the major action that we've got on the from the 21st of April without Phil alongside us. Indeed. Nigel, thank you very much indeed for sharing that with us. Thank you, Amanda. Nigel spoke there about Phil's efforts to stop the use of glyphosate by local councils. And someone who worked closely with Phil on that campaign was Joe Pritchard. Let's hear from Joe. It's lovely to be able to talk about some of my memories. Phil was just was just immersed in anything to do with nature, and I think the glyphosate issue it it just inspired him to do something. And anybody who knows him knows that if he's inspired to do something, he will stick with it until there's a result. Um, and I spent many a Saturday afternoon on a stall with him, cajoling people into signing the petition so that we could get the council to ban their local contractors from using glyphosate in the parks and school grounds because, again, he cared about people as much as he cared about the environment. Um, And he was genuinely worried about it. And it just seemed natural that that would that would be what he would do. Phil was adamant. Even if I didn't go, he would go up there on a Saturday and continue continue with his um, campaigning, amongst a lot of other things that he did as well. But he always had time for that one. Indeed, it sounds like he worked really hard on that, and you obviously joined him there, and you must have engaged with a lot of people, as you say, on your stalls. Do you have any other recollections of Phil? Where did you first um, meet him? What was the first Um, event that you joined him in? Probably the first one after I joined Extinction Rebellion in St Albans and seen him at a few meetings. All of a sudden, Chris Packham came up with his Stand for the Trees, which was down at Denham protesting about all the trees that were going to be felled for the HS2 project that was going on there at the time. And we'd arranged to get a bus together because Phil didn't approve of cars if there was any other way. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, in the end, we managed to get a lift with somebody which was vaguely acceptable. So we went down to Denham together and walked with Chris Packham and I can't remember how many thousands of others, but there were 
a lot of people from many, many different protest groups there. And it started out as a very sunny afternoon. And about halfway around, Phil was asking how much further it was. (laughs) And eventually... We hobbled into Denham and he was absolutely exhausted and he was so keen to do it, I don't think he'd bothered to research and find out how far it was, but he made it all the way. It was getting dark and he was in his element, talking to people, chatting on the way and what can I say, always an inspiration and always keeping going. And was he interested in the celebrity of Chris Packer or was that incidental? um, Not at all, I have to say. I have a lovely photo of him that I took on the day, literally walking next to Chris Packham. And I think he was completely oblivious to how near he came to a hero of a lot of ours. He was more interested in just getting this thing done doing his best is what he used to say. We're doing our best. And there was another campaign that you were involved along with Phil and that was the No Going Back campaign during lockdown. Yes, that's right. Could you tell us a little bit Um, about that? A few of us got together when when lockdown happened. um, Extinction Rebellion suggested that we, we do a silent protest because we weren't meant to talk and we were wearing masks. So we decided we'd go to the Verulamium Museum site, which was closed at the time, obviously. And we would stand there for two hours from 11 to 1 every Sunday. During the lockdown, when people, you know, were quite restricted on what they could do and where they could go, because Phil lived on his own, it was just absolutely perfect for him to be able to connect with people. And over that summer, we'd turn up every single Sunday at 11. Phil would be there and normally he would come on his bike with a great big tray of seedlings for people and just to hand them out and tell people how to look after them. I mean, he was he was an amazing gardener and he, he studied horticulture later in life. So, But he, he seemed to have an affinity with it anyway and his allotment was just an amazing array of interesting vegetables and and a composting toilet Uh, and even a wildlife pond that he dug during lockdown but yeah the no going back he was there every single Sunday without fail it's just amazing sort of tenacity and 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 I think it gave him a social um, outlet as well I've still got some of his um, red campion that I've planted in the lawn And so that will be a nice reminder when it comes up again this spring. He was great at being enthusiastic for everything. So as soon as there was something, let's go to London, let's go to Hartford, let's go to Verulamia Museum. And Phil was always the first one to put his hand up. And it was was inspiring. He he liked to motivate people and, and to do everything he could for the environment. As I said, Phil joined me here on Environment Matters to talk about that campaign that meant so much to him, the use of the weed killer glyphosate by local councils. Let's hear what Phil had to say. I live at um, Malthouse Court. I've got a flat here. John O'Connor's workmen turned up to do some gardening. And while they were there, I asked them about if they were going to be spraying, because I knew they had done the year previously, 
because you could see where they had been spraying. And they said they would be doing this at the end of July, and they would be using glyphosate and also a substance called Socora, and uh, this is what we call preemptive because it would stop anything from germinating after they've sprayed it. So this concerns you then, Phil? I'm not very happy. So did you try to speak to anybody from St Thomas District Council about this? Yes, I did. I spoke to Dan Flitton. The people from John O'Connor were just happy to... Um, Follow the contracts. You can see on um, grounds maintenance on any on the Amsterdam's um, website. Did Dan Flitton? Did he say anything about uh, whether he was happy with the use of glyphosate? Whether um, there was any concerns? Yeah, uh, well, he didn't mention about mention about any concerns. So, yeah. so, so, Phil, uh, how about your neighbours? Are they concerned about this? Yes, some people don't know about this. My neighbours, my immediate neighbours, are very concerned about this. I wrote a letter to the Hearts Advertiser about this, and three of my neighbours signed. You've started a petition. What, what's the petition asking for? Basically, to not use glyphosate and to use environmentally, environmentally friendly methods instead. Right, OK. Now, um, you're lucky enough to be a German speaker and you decided to make a bit of a further investigation. Can, can you just say what uh, what else you did? Well, apart from ringing up for the... Uh, you, you made a bit of an investigation um, at the, the council of the St Albans Twin Town in Germany. Yes, that's right. It's Worms and it's... Um... It's well. It's in the it's in the Rhine-growing area in Germany in Hessen, and I ran up the um, green spaces department, and I spoke. I spoke for about a quarter of an hour. He's a very nice guy, and he was he, um, he spoke to me about what they did in Worms, and um, he said they only use glyphosate when it's really necessary. For example, when you've got a Weeds growing through a wall, and you'd have to demolish the wall, for example, or um, with uh, Japanese knotweed. Otherwise, they they said they came perfectly okay uh, with um, green with um, using man- manual methods. Okay. Uh, they and and what did he say when you asked whether he would be happy with um, it being uh, um, sprayed in other areas? Well, he said he certainly wouldn't wouldn't want people to spray. That was the recording that I made back in August 2020 with Phil Fletcher. And I love how proactive and thorough he was, talking to the contractors, phoning the council and using his extensive language skills to find out whether things were done differently in the St Albans twin town in Germany. Now, the petition started back then to ask Hertfordshire County Council not to use glyphosate to spray pavements, etc. is still active and signatures have been rising rapidly since Phil's passing. I'll put a link to it with the notes that accompany the podcast of this show and that you'll find on the podcast page of Mix926.com. And if you search for glyphosate whilst you're there, you'll be able to hear the full show of which Phil's interview is part, including Professor Dave Goulton explaining his concerns about glyphosate, and the show where we hear about glyphosate-free streets, where streets can opt to handweed rather than have the council spraying. And also, the more recent show where Professor Goulson talks about research showing that glyphosate use is associated with fewer garden birds. Do take a look. 
Let's finish today with a few words from Matt Fisher from St Albans Greens. A tribute to Phil Fletcher. A long-standing member of St Albans Green Party, and that is how I was to make Phil's acquaintance. It was clear, not long after, that Phil was not only involved, but was very much the backstay of so many environmental groups. His passion was clear and infectious. We came together over his petition that he had started about banning glyphosate. We now have an electronic version, which has over a thousand signatures to it, and we very much hope to present that to Harts County and St Albans District Council in honour of Phil. He was renowned for writing letters to the local newspapers, and he was so often proud and very happy when yet another one was published. I often spotted him around town, wedded to his bike, which often was overflowing with produce from his allotment, which he loved. He was on the winning team at our last quiz evening back in November, and that earned him a pot of organic, locally sourced honey. A great tribute to him, his eclectic knowledge and his eagerness to get involved. Many a pint was shared with Phil, many more will be enjoyed in his absence and for his legacy, remembering him for his strong moral compass, eagerness, his endeavour and his steadfastness. A man who lived in St Albans, who was well-rooted, established and flourished in the basic soil of life, just as his allotment did under his love and attention. Phil will be sorely missed and cherished. I'll be with you at the same time next week, but until then, thank you for listening.